Everyday Board Game Podcast with your host, Daniel. And Daniel. The newly affiliated podcast. <laughs> we got to point that out. People, this is an exciting day for our podcast. We've had a great year so far. Mm-hmm. Tell them about why we're excited, Daniel. Uh, after, f- what, four years? I think three we started. Or four years, yeah, yeah, three years, uh, four seasons, I guess mm-hmm. you can say. From 2020 to 2023, we've been on the path to get affiliated. Now we're officially affiliated on Twitch, and also to celebrate, we're on Apple, Apple Podcasts finally. That's right. <laughs> so now we can actually say, everywhere you find podcasts, you'll find, find us. us. More than likely. And to celebrate these great milestones that we've been doing, and the fact that we're having a good time up in here, we're doing a giveaway as well, so stick tuned. Because we will be, or stick tuned, stick stay tuned. tuned. I'm, I'm back in Nickelodeon days. <laughs> no, 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 no. no um, <laughs> stay tuned because we're going to be talking about how you can get in on this free giveaway. We're excited. Let's talk about this ridiculous episode that we have planned for you today. Oh my God. Don't, isn't it ridiculous? It was a pain to do this because <laughs> normally I don't have to do as much research as I had to this time around. I had to look up other people reddit threads go through rule books that i do own that people suggested uh-huh and so our topic today is the best and worst rule books yeah now and i had brought this up like like you know somewhat jokingly but yeah. i do i did genuinely mean it because i i believe i recently had like a bad experience with a rule book or something mm-hmm. like that and i was like you know what maybe we should do that and you you suggested both best and worst, because we don't like to focus on negative here. Yeah. We like to highlight some of the best parts, but we will dig a knife into, <laughs> right. and twist it and if it's it. really that bad. The easiest for me out of this entire thing were my number ones. My number one worst and my number one best. I knew right off the bat those were going to be there. Yeah. Because the thing is, we break it down, we're still just doing eight games, but we do four bad, four good. That's right. And so we broke it down. I'm like, I knew what my number one bad was. It was I knew that one when you suggested the topic. Yeah. I knew what my number one good one was because I always talk about how good this rule book is. Yep. And so we'll we'll get into those when we get into those. But yeah, this was difficult. It was, and you know, and, and you and me were texting earlier today. We're like, yeah, so we'll meet up about this time. We'll plan this. And then you were, I was like, man, this is kind of a tough list. And I just want to reiterate what our text. You were like, yeah, it took me all week. I'm like, yeah, I, I genuinely apologize. About that. <laughs> this was a really hard one. I sometimes I'll wing a podcast, you know, I'll yeah. just go into it. Cause like, I know so many of the things that fit in the category. I'm like, cool. Yeah. It's pretty easy to like to pick like, oh, the best worker placement. Sure. Whatever. Sure, yeah, 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 it's easy. And I realized today. Just how many video tutorials I watch over rule books long before I figured this mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. That that's a big factor. I realize ha- probably half of the games I own, I've never read the rule book. I could probably be playing it. Wrong. I I tend to uh, watch uh, watch it played or someone teaching the rules mm-hmm. while I'm reading the rule book because sometimes I'll try to read the rule book beforehand, and it's a cluster. Like some of the ones in here have really really bad rule book structure. Mm-hmm. And so I have to watch like someone teaching you how to play the game. I'm like, oh, I get that. Or sometimes really? it's where like uh, the stuff on Feld City Collection, the Marrakesh game, it's a bit tricky because there's just so many moving parts. Yep. So this way I can actually see how it works, and then bring it into how the rule book structures. Then it, it got a little better for me to understand the rule book itself. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Although I did, 
a general cast of what I meant by worst rulebook. There will be some examples of things about rulebooks I dislike. Not so much that it wasn't clear I know or you're... cohesive, but there was some there was there were there was some one. examples where I was like, I really don't like what this is doing. I, I remember one exactly from last week when we were talking yes, about this. Yes, and that will be one of my quick honorable mentions okay. because it is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, so all of our viewers who are joining us live, which first off, if you don't, if you're listening to this later on, make it a point to try and join us on live on Twitch.tv. Uh, you know, show your support. This is awesome. But on top of that. We like to hear your thoughts in the chat. So all of our viewers that are listening right now, we have a whole bunch of great viewers that are joining us. Please uh, let us know your best and worst rule book. And uh, yeah, well, we will get to you guys very shortly. Before we get started uh, into our, what we've been playing lately, uh, mm -hmm. we want to mention that there is a contest going on for a copy, a base copy of Marvel United. How you're going to enter it is you're going to email it. You're going to be entered it in by three different ways. Following us here on Twitch, following or subscribing to us on YouTube, and you're going to get a code word in the middle of the episode. You're going to email us at everyday2020 at gmail.com. In the subject line, you're going to put contest. And in the bottom line, or in the body, you're going to put the code word and a little bit uh, your name and stuff like that for how we can get in contact with you if you did get drawn as the winner. Uh, but again, Listen to you for the code word. We tend to put it in between the break of what we've been playing and the main topic. That's right. So listen for that code word. Then you have a chance to enter in and get another free chance to get a base copy of Marvel United, as shown in my hand right here. Okay. Uh, All right. So Daniel, now complete segue. Slightly used, <laughs> slightly damaged copy. Oh, no, it's good. We got <laughs> no, carpet. <we're> <laughs> But here you go. Yep. Gotta love that glare. See, you can still tell it's still in shrink, except for our wonderful logo sticker right here. It's beautiful. Yep. All right. Um, but yeah, hang out with us for that. But with that being said, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? I've been playing quite a bit of games. Despite I mean, catch, other than yeah. catch. Well, I'm not really good with my left hand without a glove, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's fair enough. But. Uh, I have four games here, and I was telling you, we were talking about earlier about maybe cutting one of the what we've been playing segments off. Yeah. But as much games we play, there's no way we could do it, because these are, the earliest one is from two weeks ago. <laughs> so, and this is the last time we're going to talk about it this month, basically. Yeah. So, the first game I want to talk about is a game that I mentioned I played um, in the last uh, subject. But I only kind of briefly because I want to talk about the other game we played. The first game I'm going to talk about is Gutenberg. That was played in the same game night that we played uh, Tidal Blades uh, Banner Festival. This one is a fun, very intriguing Euro game about basically finishing uh, contracts for certain books and stuff like that you need to do. So you're collecting resources. Your resources are ink. Uh, your letters for the printing press, mm -hmm. and you're getting rewards by completing the contracts and going out there. It's it got a very intriguing theme on it, and it plays over several bits of a round. So what you're doing is you're using your ink tokens to blind bid on the certain actions that you want to intrigue. So whoever had the most gets to take the action first, and they get to take one of the top or one of the sections first. There's three that are filled. You get first choice in that section. Then you move down to the next section, and the person who bid highest there gets to go first, and so forth. And you go through the, I think it's like five or six sections of it. So you're getting either letters or inks 
or new contracts, which basically have a top part and a bottom part. You always have to get the top part done because that's how you're gonna get your coins. But if you do the bottom part properly, you can get some rewards. So and it's usually brought up into two sections of the bottom part of that contract. Whereas like, if you have this, then you get this points. If you have this, you get this points or coins or whatever. But if you do both of those, you also get both uh, rewards plus a bonus reward, so a third reward. So it's either points, ink, whatever you want, um, whatever it says anyways. Uh, and it's very, very intriguing how this works. It's a very simple game for how heavy it looks. Mm -hmm. But it was not, uh, not something that I need to go out of my way for, though. I, right. I, I really didn't want to try it. It looks really good, and it's really fun, but I think it's a little heavier than some of the people I play with would like. So, But if you get a chance, at least try it once. It's very intriguing how it works, and this is Gutenberg. Fine, I will try it. I'm sorry I had to be out that week, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few... I think I, you would dig it. I don't get sick that often, yeah, but, but you would I do? <laughs> oh, did that hit me hard. All right, the first one I wanted to talk about was one that we played during uh, last week's game night, which happened to be my pick, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, I wanted to talk about it. This is a tile-laying game, beautiful theme, cool mechanisms. I knew this was going to be on your list. Yeah, Okanagan. I thought this was a really nifty game. It was. I really enjoyed it. If I like, I do a rating system. We had the whole little fun about how I do. Sure. I don't do point fives and stuff like that. Yeah. I would rate the gameplay of this game an eight. It was phenomenal. Wow, you really liked it. However, it wouldn't be its final rating. The gameplay itself is really good, but I am going to knock oh, it yep. because of its colorblind unfriendliness. There were yep. sections where I struggled a bit, where yep. they're blending. I would still give it a seven. That's how yep. phenomenal it is. The gameplay is really, really good. Yep. I love that gameplay. Yeah, I. It, it's just neat how it worked because the idea, it's a tiling, and I'm a big fan of Carcassonne, so I figured I'd probably like this. Um, however, you're trying to bid over these areas. Basically, imagine uh, each square tile, there's an X in the middle, and it could be one of four different types of tile, whether it be water, um, water stone. stone, plains, like grasslands, or forests. And you're trying to combine the ones. You have to put them together, but then every single time you put down a tile, um, yeah, you have to put one of your wood tokens. You can have either like a farmhouse uh, or like a barn or whatever it mm -hmm. was. That's worth uh, three influence, and you put it in a single type of of, uh, uh, of the resources. Area so the stone, there. yeah, yeah. And then there's also the uh, ranch houses, which are long, longer ones. And they border two different areas, and then the final one is uh, and that two influence points for each of those. Mm -hmm. And there's one influence, but it's like a little um, silo, and you put that in the middle of the tile, and it applies to all four of them. No, or that so, section, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically... You get two of those, so mm -hmm. you get two silos, one farmhouse, and one... Um, uh, two silos. Uh, two silos, two, two ranch silos, houses. Two silos, two ranch houses, and one farmhouse. Yeah. You get... And it varies depending on game. And uh, it, that, that's basically the round counter, so once everybody plays out all their buildings, they're going to get a whole new set afterwards. Yep. And so whenever you completely enclose one of the areas where it's surrounded by other types of Think tiles, of, uh, then the it Carcassonne scores. Carcassonne Castle. Yeah, then it scores, and um, it'll go, like, all of the resources that are shown on the tile, whether it be, like, the person or the resources that it produces or whatever, um, happen, then whoever has the most influence gets that number of influence of resources. So let's say we close off a space that has four tiles on it, Daniel has three influence. I have two influence. Yeah. You will first get to pick two of or three of them because you have three influence and you have the most. 
and I would only get the one remaining because that's all that's left, even though I had two influence. So it's a bit of very control, bit of tile laying, mm -hmm. um, resource management, and all these resource, resources get to score in different ways. There might be combinations that'll be like, if you have um, like these three characters, it's seven points for every set of that. Mm -hmm. Well, every single time you have a set, it counts for that, but on top of that, you also can use multiple tiles for multiple different scoring cards. Yep. And so that's really neat. But then whoever had the the lowest amount of influence gets one of the special actions on the back of the tile tiles. stacks, which changes your pulling tiles. So the whole game is just a great area control, great tile laying, cool little secondary action system. Um, the area control, the set collection, the way you score is cool. But then the best part about all of it is that it plays in two halves. Uh, you you start the game, you take uh, five of your uh, gold cards, and you only keep three of them, so you discard two of them. But then, in the second half, you get another set of the same pieces, and then you draw in another two uh, cards, and again, you choose three of the five that you have. So you could just completely dump one, you could aim for what you're going with. There's a bunch of stuff that you can go, it's awesome, I thought it was so, awesome. I'm laughing because I remember that part of it where, where both of you got the two new cards and both you're of us like, were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, I have nothing for this. No thanks. Yeah, it, it was really great. Um, yeah, I I liked it a lot. It's definitely staying in my collection for a long no, time. No, no, it was and really I'm good. I'm glad I finally got to Like table. I said, the gameplay itself for me is an eight. But the only knock is because of the graphic design, really. And it's not no. that much of a knock. It drops to a 7. Right. And it's just because I struggled, like, okay, where am I putting this? Where does this go? Yeah. I, and it was the... Because you had, like, brown and dark green and light green and blue. Yeah. Blue is the one we could see. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, the guarantee. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It was really good. All right. So, the <laughs> next game I'm going to talk about is one that... This is probably going to be the negative game I'm going to talk about that I played recently. Uh, and it's just, it's nothing wrong with the game itself. The game is fine. It's been sitting on my shelf of shame for several years. It was a gift from you. Unfortunately, I'm putting it on the sale pile. Oh, I bet I can guess. Is it a party game? Yep. Is it the Deadpool one? Yeah. Yeah. Deadpool versus the world. I finally played it. Uh, I was like, you know what? I need to get this. Uh, yeah. it's, it's over there now. Uh, I need to get this uh, played just to try it out. I really... At the point when you got it to me, I should have played it then because I, I was enjoying those games. Yeah. It is, in a sense, a Cards Against Humanity, apples-to-apples apples style game where you have one judge. It, what I liked about it, though, is like the judge cards are just a photo. And then the people have to use their cards to give you a scene or something they're saying. Sure. And it had its moments. It had its hilarity. But I just really don't like those style of games anymore. I mean, we had a decent time with it. It's not bad. Out of the three I mentioned, I'd probably keep this one over the other three. But it just, it was nothing to keep my interest, really. No. Uh, my wife wasn't a fan of it. She found it okay. I did like the fact that it came with wet erase car, uh, uh, markers and then cards. Yep. And there was also ones where it already had a statement, or you can make your own statement. That was fine. So, but again, it's just not something I'm interested in playing anymore. The I, I really got burnt out of Cards Against Humanity because people, uh, the my original game group, that's all they ever wanted to play is Cards Against Humanity, Cards Against Humanity, and I'm like, we played that for like the last four weeks. Let me try something new, or let's do something else. Wow. But yeah, 
No, but it, it's it's a fun game. Uh, if you like those style of games, I highly recommend it. If you're not into the style of games, then it's not something you need to go and look for. Yeah. I, yeah, Cards Against Humanity. You know, I wasn't going to talk about it, but we did play a, a game called Puns of Anarchy that does essentially the same, same system. Thing. But you're all doing it simultaneously, so it kind of works. Uh, okay. And you're drawing on the cards and stuff. It was okay, but yeah, again, like, as soon as we we're done, we're like, yep, that, hmm. It just, it just it doesn't... It a bad taste now. It, it's not even that it leaves a bad taste. It's just, it's like if you've been eating boiled chicken over and over again. It's bland mm. as can be compared yep. to some of the stuff we do. That's true. And as Lumina said, yeah, the Muggles still like games like that. That's fair. And that's fine. Yep. And that's what I said. If you like we're the style of games... We're not here to yuck games, your yum. Uh, check it out. It's just, it's not something that's going to intrigue. My wife didn't enjoy it. My game group didn't enjoy it. You're not a fan of those style of games anymore. No, so. not really. I'll still play. There's a I'll couple that them. I will, but that's. But then again, it's because other people between. wants to play them. Right. It's not something you're going to go out of your way to to right. play yourself. So. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk, or the second one I wanted to talk about, was one I just played this last weekend. Um, this is a trivia game, and I don't tend to play trivia games all that much, but I did quite like this one. And although the group they didn't like it as much, this is called Half Truth. I want to play this one so bad. I I like it quite a bit, but here's the catch to it, right? There, there's It's a trivia game where it asks you a question, and the catch to this, unlike every other trivia game, half of the answers are true, okay? They're half truth, right? So there'll be six answers. Three of them are correct. They follow the, the order. It's like, um, which one is more than a 1,000 years old? It'll list like six different like historical landmarks. Mm -hmm. Right, like the Roman aqueducts or the uh, blah 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 the pyramids, right? Yeah. And some more often than not, one is like really obvious, but then you're never sure about number two or three, it seems. <laughs> and so, you roll a die, and that determines how much the question point is worth. Um, so it could be anywhere from two to four points for the question. Bonus question or bonus answers are always an additional point, which I'll explain how that works in a moment. But then, uh, sometimes that die might change it around, like you're trying to find the incorrect answers okay or you're trying to find the um uh or it might give bonus points more so the way it works is that you can put you're going to be putting out chips and if you put out one chip then the base value of the score is how much you're going to get if you get at least one of them right so if i bid on letter e the pyramids of giza and i'm right then i'm going to get the number of points that it rolled so let's say two points okay however i can still put out up to three chips as i want and as long as I'm, as long as I get all of them right, I get one additional point for every additional chip I put out. Okay. Which is pretty important. Yeah. Um, which is awesome because, uh, you could go for like broke and you can get like six points if you happen to get all three of them out. So it's a little bit of pressure luck involved in it. Okay. The questions are so bizarre, and they have a really good wide range. I mean, the I think the main person is um. The main person who did it was Ken Jennings. I think he primarily did the uh, questions okay. part of it. So we had everything from, like, we had a biblical question to a landscape question to a pop culture question. Like, we had a big variety. And I appreciate the fact that, that it has that. But sometimes you just go into those questions and we're, we're all just shrugged at each other, like, <laughs> like mix up chips and guess, <laughs> you know. I, how I, would we know? I do want to play this one, though. I like it. It, it was late into the night, and our group, you know, they were they were iffy on it, but it might have just been because we were tired. 
but I mean overall they seem to enjoy it. They just didn't we weren't enamored with it and this is about the third or fourth time I played it and I liked it. Okay. Nice. So that's half truth. Richard Garfield, Ken Jennings. Alright, so the third game I want to talk about is uh, a game that I showed you, we kind of talked about it when we did one of our most recent podcasts when we are comparing and contrasting two games, but I want to talk about our actual gameplay of it, okay. and this is Fallout the board game. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had yeah, a good, good time playing this one, and you mentioned in your uh, in the topic itself, this is one of the board games that actually might get you into playing the actual game itself. Yeah, the, the system it's based off of. Uh, yeah, so... I liked it because, one, I used the co-op expansion. Um, Atomic Bonds, I believe is what it's called. And for me, personally, this is how this game should be played. Instead of a point system, you're working together as a team. You're expanding the world. You're reading these things. and You're making decisions together. And it's fun. Oh, my God. It's so fun. For even something that just straight up is a dice chucker, Mm because you got to do... skill checks as well as combat. Mm -hmm. It's just amazingly how it plays so well especially in the co-op form where we're like okay i'm gonna go take care of this for to set this up so and then i set it up and you're like i'm in the general area i can work on this now and i'm like cool awesome i love how that works uh one it's great production value for fantasy flight uh, through the roof on that one another thing about it too is with the the co-op aspect is what you have to do is you have to re uh reach Four goals plus the main storyline stuff to win the game. So once we hit the main storyline, we're like, okay, who's close to doing this or this? So we're mm-hmm. working on like different ones because we've already gotten three of the goal or yeah, three of the goals done out of the four uh, that we need to do. And I think there's like six goals or something like that up there. Or no, we needed we needed three of the four goals. Three of the four goals. We had Mostly two had done. So we were working finish. on the other yeah. two, which was one we were closer to do. But yeah, it was. I like the exploration. I love the. Um, the 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 combat uh, the VAT system was really neat the checks were really cool it was fun it's just straight fun and that's what board games need to be sometimes yeah and and corrupt brought up it's like I thought uh, the normal game was too long I had the expansion saves the game now having played both the the base and that yes the base is longer by itself because you're trying to reach a certain number of victory points. And Fantasy Flight is kind of notorious for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this did shorten it, but just a bit. Yeah, it, uh, it, was... it was not by any sense a short game, um, or it was only a fraction of the time that was saved. And the but thing is, granted, like it... we played it four players. Yeah, we played it four players. Uh, no, we played it three players. No, well, three players. Sorry, it was just you, you me, and Dom. Yeah. Uh, but the the other thing too about this one is that you can actually play a longer game. They set it up where in the New California Republic. You could build up a bigger game with the board instead of sure. the, the shrink-down version from the original. We only played the original. It still took us about two and a half hours or so. Yeah, yeah it wasn't short by any means. But the fact that you're working together did... It it, it gave more purpose to why you're and playing. And the thing is, it didn't feel long either. Sometimes yeah. when you're playing these kind of games where it's competitive, it feels long, especially if you're not winning. Yeah, like Eldritch Horror. Eldritch Horror. Or that no. feels long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maybe. I'm thinking more of the longs of saying like Twilight Imperium Fourth uh, Edition. When you're not winning and you're like really far behind and can't catch up to someone else, then yeah, it's gonna feel long. Or just like uh, games that have uh, Euro games that have like the runaway leader aspect of it. When it, even if it's only an hour game, if you're 30, 40 po- points behind first place, it's gonna feel like a two-hour game. Right. As you're working in a co-op together, it feels so much shorter. It doesn't feel like it's super long. 
So, uh, the next game I want to talk about was, uh, I guess it would count as an Ameritrash game. Because I played a game, a fantasy dungeon crawl game, killing things with dice. I played Dungeon Roll. And the way they came... Oh, wait, you, we played that. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. It's the one in the little treasure chest. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, from Tasty Minstrel Games from back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, maybe not. It, it's more of a pressure like dice game. Yeah. It's not so much Ameritrash, but thematically, it is 100% exactly that. No, what you're trying to do in this game, Dungeon Roll, comes, uh, I don't think it's in print anymore, just so everyone knows. Well, um, if you find a copy in the wild, buy it, because it's a fun game. It's not in print anymore, because the company that printed it is dead. Right, I know that, but I <laughs> I don't know if it was sold or anything. I haven't seen anybody any have picked it up. Neither have I. But, Dungeon Roll, what the way it works is quite simple. At the beginning of each delve, you roll your party dice, it's all the white dice, and you're going to be going against uh, the, the monsters. Mm-hmm. Every level you go down is also the number of dice that the monsters roll. So if if you're on level one, you roll one die, you have whatever dice you have remaining in front of you to fight that. If you roll something like a potion or a treasure chest, those are loot that you can potentially get control over and uh, pull tokens or change your dice. That's pretty cool. But you can also skip it in order to conserve the number of dice. Because what you're trying to do is have the most experience points. The farther down in the dungeon you survive, the more experience points you're going to have at the end of the game. Um, extra bonus points might, might matter as well. But there's also some certain kinds of uh, monsters you can fight, like goblins, skeletons, and oozes. Each of those has a specific party type that can defeat all of them. Like clerics can defeat all of the skeleton dice in one roll if they want to. Mm-hmm. So you only have to lose one die to get rid of all of those dice. So if you roll three, that's a great trade-off. But sometimes... You can send pretty much any hero to fight any kind of everything else. But there are dragons. And once three total dragons are rolled, then you have to fight the dragon. You need three different hero types to fight against it. Then if you do so, you defeat it. You get a treasure token and a free XP right off the bat. And then you still get to decide if you continue delving. It's super fun. I like it. I've always liked it. It We played it's it four players. Game. The only problem with it is that I normally have one player roll for the heroes. And the next player in turn order roll for the monsters. Um, but that means in like a four player game, two people are just sitting watching other people take a pretty decently long turn. Mm-hmm. This highlights specifically at two and three players. Um, four was a bit long, and anything past that, because it's like a one plus game. Yeah. I think it says one to four, um, which makes sense, but really, like four, it's, it's a little long. Unless you're really just engaged watching other people delve. It's pretty fun and exciting. Plus, you always get your own little oh, characters. And, um, and the thing about this, too, when it comes to that, with the four-player game, too. Right. Because of the fact that it's a push-your-luck game, it's still uh, capable for you to be in there because you're egging on the person. You can do it. Let's go. Roll those dice yeah, again. It's, right, it's level five. You have four hero dice. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And they're all different monsters. It's so it's still slightly engaging, but yeah, I could see what you're saying about the four-player aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's not bad. I genuinely has always enjoyed it. Like I think it's great. You have different character powers that you can that once you get five XP, you automatically level up, get a better ability, which is normally past or normally after your first delve, sometimes past after your second delve. But overall, great experience. Like, I haven't played this in, since 2001. Jeez. Or 2021. Wait, and it wasn't even out. 2021. <laughs> I was like, it, it was only out. two years ago. <laughs> but I, I don't remember last time I had played it, so I was like, you know what? That's on my shelf. I haven't played it in a while. Yeah. 
that needed to happen, and it did. I love nice. it. So the last game I'm going to talk about is actually one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, in fact, I think it was in my top 20, if not the top 10 of my top 100. Uh -huh. uh, it is one of my favorite deck builders of all time. And the reason why I busted this one out for sure is just because I realized... Dominion? No, I'm sorry. I never showed this one to my wife. She's never actually played this game. Uh, and I haven't shown it to my other friends who were that I gave with my other game group. I'm no. like, all right, you know what? This is simple. I can teach the rules real quick. We don't have like a lot, a lot of time because there was a bunch of things and we only had a few hours to play games. So I'm like, I need to take games that I know the rules down pat. So I picked Ascension. I specifically picked the Donna Champions. Your wife version. has never played Ascension. No. Wow. Uh, and she knows that's like one of my favorite games. I bet she was slightly underwhelmed. She actually enjoyed it. She, right. It was uh, her favorite game of that night. Wow. Okay. She liked it because right. it, it, uh, the thing is, it wasn't. <laughs> As Luna said, it's okay. Yeah. Just because right. it wasn't hard or like interest, uh, difficult for her to get for one thing, mm -hmm. and two, it wasn't like mean. Because I'm not attacking her. Yeah. I'm attacking the middle and getting my points okay. and stuff like that. So I showed it to my wife and our friends. They really enjoyed it. I spe specifically picked Thought of Champions uh, system yeah. because it gives you something to focus with. Because you get a champion. So, like, I was the uh, Lifebound champion and someone was the Mechanic champion. So, it actually gives you something to focus on certain cards that you want to get because you'll get bonuses for getting those cards. And, um,. Uh, putting your champion into your deck if you reach a certain point and then you can rally if you you're the mechanic character you can recount uh, rally mechana so like if you buy a mechana off a thing and if you reach your certain threshold of points if a new one comes up and it becomes mana you can if it's a monster you fight it get the the, the victory points free of charge or you get to take it into your uh discard pile so and i really did enjoy it every single one of them liked it i think we played three or four games that night and this was everybody's favorite and even I was trying because my wife's like, well, okay, we're we're just gonna be competing for second place because uh, Daniel plays this so much that he knows. And I was trying to take it easy on them by going for like the low scoring cards, the low scoring sure. monsters, uh, just concentrating on my character, like the life bound stuff. Yeah, yeah I still destroyed. Them. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I think second place was like thirty points behind me, and I'm literally trying everything in my power. I was like, because I had enough things, like, I could take out that, I could take out that, I could take out that. I'm just going to buy this heavy infantry in this mystic. And I'm just going to, I'm going to buy this little lifebound card over here. I'm going to use my excess points to give me my, move my bonuses up a little bit. Try everything in my power not to just throttle them. <laughs> and I still won by, like, Without making it obvious <laughs> that you're, like, throwing the game. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was because like, I told him, like, because this is your character, concentrate on your stuff. If you're yeah. Arcana or Void or something like that. So I concentrated all my lifebound stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I still felt bad. Though my wife was like, ah, I thought you were going to kick our butts. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand if I could have. But I was. this is where the cards laid. Jesus, 30 points. But I could have made it like 100 points. <laughs> well, that's, that's very kind of you to do that. But as long as they enjoyed it. That's, oh, that's they had I'm a blast doing, doing it. And the last one I wanted to talk about today was a game, you know, lately one of the things I've been trying to do is, like, I don't want my Shelf of Shame to exceed 100 games anymore. Um, okay. Now, what, I purposefully did not make it a game, um, or make it a, a thing where, or a goal where I play all of the Shelf of Shame games this year, because I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. 
Especially because we're always adding new shelf of shame stuff. Right, exactly. But so one of the things I've been trying to do is that as soon as I get a game before it goes on the shelf of shame, try to learn it real quick, play it just that way that shelf of shame isn't exceeding anymore, and then dig away at it throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I found out on Friday that one of our local stores had a game in stock. I went to that store. They had to look in the back to find it. I bought it, learned it, and played it that night. I know which one this is because we just talked Forbidden about it. Forbidden Jungle. I think I'm the only one in New Mexico who has this game. And I'm very proud of that fact. <laughs> you know, hyping it up. No, Forbidden Jungle is the fourth in a quadrilogy of games. There was Forbidden Island was the Great first game. one. There's Forbidden Desert. Even better game. Forbidden Skies. Great, uh, great failure. I, it's not that bad. <laughs> I agree that it's not the best of the three. It is. It is by far the worst, but it's not bad. It's not good. Oh, I like it. I would give it probably a five. It's average at best. That's fair. But it's it's. It's not compared to how many bad games I come no, no, out. No, no, it's no, still... no, no. But I'm saying it's average at best. Especially when you're comparing it to the first two that came right. before yeah, it. It's hard to compare the two. So this one, so your favorite is Desert, right? Yes. This, Forbidden Jungle, is the closest to Desert. Okay, then I probably would do this you, one. I almost guarantee you would. Other than one problem. What? Freaking tin. Why did you go back to the tin? That's their thing. That's their thing. It's a stupid thing. It is a stupid thing, but it is the thing. And so, yeah, that's in a tin, and unfortunately mine was already damaged. Who knew? <laughs> but I, was, I knew I was buying it anyway, so it didn't matter. Um, the game works quite simply. You have the board laid out, like Forbidden Island at the beginning of okay. it. You have a scenario of certain monsters that are out there. There are everything from hatchlings to, um, uh, I'm sorry, eggs to hatchlings to adult aliens. You are on an alien jungle planet, and you are trying to find... Uh, these energized crystals you have to find four of the six of them there are, well there's six of them two of them are duds and actually one of them is actually a nest for some of the aliens <laughs> oh, which is geez. great and then you have to find the four that are charged and then you have to position those tiles in a way that they surround a portal and then get to that portal okay so your goal is to portal yourself out of there now unlike all the others it takes a little bit of everything it starts off with the with the tiles spread out. You're shifting tiles around, and sometimes you are actively going out of your way to destroy tiles. Because once you find the four crystals, you need to surround a portal. And one of the tiles actually lets you destroy other tiles on purpose to clear out the way so you can then shove it in there. But some of the problems with like the bad deck will have the threat rising, it'll have aliens moving around and stinging people. You'll have like hatchlings or eggs growing up to their next level. Mm-hmm. You have adults laying hat laying eggs. You'll have tunnels that suddenly hatchlings pop out of. You'll have uh, the eggs being like populated throughout the area, and you'll be having them move around with the tiles that have different uh, like a like they have little symbols on each of the four sides, which tells them where the AI system and where the monsters okay. move to. And then sometimes they might even lay webs, which completely hinders your movement, doesn't stop them in the slightest. Because they know where the sticky parts are. That's right. It's kind of like the sand in Forbidden Desert, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have to destroy those. 
But one of the coolest things about it is there's ways to manipulate them. They have different tiles that have machines on it where you mm -hmm. can actually like either like there's one that's like the electrifier where anytime aliens move on to electrifier, they're just incinerated. So that's cool. Um, there's ways where uh, you can man where you can maneuver tiles around or destroy them or gain other kind of benefits to where you just have to get one tile surrounded by four others and you win. However, there is five different ways to lose this game. Jesus. If you lose any one of the four crystals, game over. If any one character dies, game over. If the threat level reaches the top, game over. That's standard in most of them. Um, and there's three others, or two others. But there, it's, it's mean. Oh, the big one, if ever you need to put down webs, eggs, adults, or hatchlings, and you don't have any more in the supply and you have to put them down, game, game over. over. Yeah. So there's so many ways to lose. And we felt that it was a little random. Like, I mean, it's, it's a, like a full, it's definitely more fledged out than the previous games. The previous games, it was just like one little thing moved, right? Um, in this one, there's a lot of different variable moving parts. It wasn't complicated to understand how to play or to or to plan against it, but there was one point where, where no matter what we did, we flipped over the next card and it was just everything exploded like all at once. And it was a little anticlimactic, but I don't know. I would rank this right in between Forbidden Desert and Island for me. Okay. So far, after one play of losing. Nice. Granted, we started on normal mode, which probably yeah. should have started easy, but you know, oh well. So, quick question: yeah. Did you play Mist Over Carcassonne yet? Um, as a solo game. Because I'm thinking if we have time tomorrow, it's going to be one of my games. Or tonight. No, it's okay. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, though I'm a little hesitant. I will teach you. Uh, I'm a little hesitant with one of my games tomorrow, even though I like Thunderworks games. It's a choir on steroids. I heard about that. Don of Ulos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Um, Ithri. I liked it. I only played it as a solo, though. And I don't tend to like multiplayer as solos. It was a simple puzzle. I played the easiest mode, and I absolutely decimated it. Because, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I don't know if it's better than Carcassonne. I want to play it as a multiplayer. But yeah, I and that feel... hits why it's uh, it's probably going to be the yeah. third game of the night if we have the time. Right. Because Dono Ulos doesn't seem like it's going to take that long. I beat it in 15 minutes. Goblin Vault is not going to be that long. Because that's no. the other game. And it's a little card game that has like trick-taking-esque to it. Okay. And then the third game I want to play is Mr. Over Carcassonne. Cool. I'll teach that one. Yeah, so that's easy enough. Those are uh, those are the three for tomorrow, but that's why I was worried. Because <laughs> when I started reading the rules, I'm like, oh, this sounds very familiar. And then I saw the review, and I'm like, I was not wrong. It's it's acquire on steroids, but yeah. I, I want to give it a chance. My thing about acquire though, too, and I was thinking about it, I do need to give it another chance mm -hmm. because again, I played acquire when I was just getting into gaming. Right. So it was. It, the time I a played acquire, economic game might not be the best move. Yeah, it, the thing is, is I played it when you were in Albuquerque. That's when I played acquire. That was a while ago. Yep. So, yeah. but with that being said, contest time. That's right. Let's talk about that contest. We're giving away a free base set game of Marvel United. The way you're going to enter three ways. Again, subscribe on Twitch if you can. You don't have to do like a full. Uh, paid subscription, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's awesome. That, thank We're, you. We yes. really appreciate that. Um, now that we can. Just follow but us just here on Twitch. Follow we'll us get on you. Twitch, so that way we know that you're there. Automatic free ticket. 
Secondly, subscribe on YouTube. Um, that'll get you a free ticket as well. And thirdly, the most important way is by emailing us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com with our keyword. And so in the subject, put contest. Mm -hmm. And then in the body, you're going to put the keyword and how we can get in contact with you if uh, you get drawn. That's right. Do you want to give them the keyword? The keyword is... Red Skull. Red Skull. Yes. I was like, wait, we didn't change it, did we? <laughs> no. No, Red Skull. So, remember, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And in the body, after all that stuff, in the body, you put the word Red Skull. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get on to the topic. All right. This is going to be fun. So, we're going to start with the worst, correct? Sure. And of course, I have... Or we can bounce back and forth. It's funny because I have my thing written wrong. No. Yeah. I have worst here. So, well, that's, that's what I'm saying is that we're going to do... This way we can finish with the best. Yeah. So we do our number four worst, and then it goes to our number four west. That's right. Best. So we're going to talk about the best and worst board game rule books today. <laughs> and we're going to give specific reasons why they are the best or the worst, probably. Before we get going, why don't you mention your honorable mentions? Yeah, we'll talk about the honorable mentions here in one moment. But the best and worst rule books, I do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, we're going to start with the worst on both sides. Um, Illuminus did bring up the idea that Agricola is a really bad rule book. That's what I was I've hearing. only ever... Now, I own Agricola, and I love the game. I've only ever watched the video tutorials. And I've the never thing learned about, how to I think read about, uh, by the rule books. Agricola, I don't know, because you taught me. Yeah, so... <laughs> and mine was by the video. So, again, some of these could be totally wrong, but these are the worst ones. But I want to give two quick honorable mentions of bad rule books. And one um, was one game that we played on that game night that was part of the inspiration of this mm -hmm, list. Mm -hmm. And the rule book was fine... It did what it needed to do, but this is called Lancelot by WizKids. Um, and this game, the rulebook was okay, but there was one part at the end of the round where you're moving around the board and you're going to different locations, and each location has a certain ability that you're trying to do. But effectively, you're it's uh, King Arthur themed, so you're moving around, trying to get the Excalibur, Quest for the Holy Grail... Um, Talking about Percival or Sir Galahad, getting like virtues, um, getting resources to slay dragons, whatever, right? It's a cool theme. Game itself was really fun. But when you get back to the round table, there's like eight different actions that you could choose from, and you put your piece on one of those spaces, and then you take that action. Um, the rulebook didn't say how to do any of this until after explained what you do at the end of the game. So, during the game, it told you this is how you move in the piece or on the spaces. This is what all of the non-roundtable spaces do. This is what you do at the end of the round. This is how you score the end of the game. Oh, by the way, there's the roundtable. And then, and then not only does it tell you like the roundtable part of it, it's in that section that tells you who's leading the next round, because it goes from Arthur in clockwise. Mm -hmm. So if I pick Arthur, then I'm starting the next round. But if I pick, what was it, Guinevere, who is behind Arthur, yeah. I'm going last in that round. Right. It only explains it in that section. It doesn't explain it in the actual body of the rules. Right. Yeah, It's it was completely nonsensical why they would put that there. It should be right after the the, the spe specific actions. That's what stressed me out about it. The, the rest of the rule book was functionally yeah, fine. Yeah, it's just fine. that little part was so mismanaged. The second uh, honorable mention I had is a collectible card game, kind of. Uh, it's Keyforge. And that's because mm -hmm. in the four-player base game, 
and in the two-player, like, dual decks and single-player decks, they don't include rule books. You must go online line, yeah. and get a digital rule book. Now, I appreciate the fact that they're trying to avoid errata, making sure that um, you know, everything's up to date. I get it. If you, if you wanted to get into this game, bought a four-player base set, and wanted to learn, I don't consider a cheat sheet a rule book. I want, I want the book I want to most teach me games, how to play the game. I also want most games to come with like a cheat sheet or a... Sure, yeah. I mean, that's a great addition. But it doesn't teach you how to play, to play the, the game. game you yeah. have to go online to do it. It's like, we're not watching, we're, we're not like playing a digital game here. We're not playing something that requires digital as aspects. Like, uh, I didn't, I didn't, it's not on my list, but like, um, uh, Chronicles of Crime. Yeah. Does a great tutorial digitally, right? Yeah. And you don't need the rule book. But Unlock you know what? It includes good. a rule book. Unlock does a good tutorial. Unlock too. does a rule book. But it also includes a rule, rule book. book. yeah. Keyforge, the four-player, $40 base set, needed a rule book. Speaking of which, uh, speaking of uh, trading card games, I everything I'm seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into the hype. I just want to get two starter packs of Wakana. I agree. I, <laughs> I, I do too. Because it looks really interesting. It looks all right, yeah. It looks like a fun little game. But I'm not going into like the tournament and stuff like that. Just give me the starter packs. You know what? I bet the starter... The starter decks have rule books. Probably, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> sorry that that so made me mad. I, even thinking about it now, and as much as we love it too. Yeah, and I like Keyforge a lot. Hot it's... take: This is coming from It Three. Hot take: Every board game rule book is bad. No rule book can replicate someone just teaching or watching uh, watching a video. Gun to my head: Box backs that teach you the game and one, two, three misstep method. It's very hard to make a game whose mechanics is clean and then rules text as easy to read. But still cover all the mechanics and then pair it with good graphic design examples. No, I, uh, I have any of those things trip over each other. I agree with you. I understand where it's coming from, but I, I want it to be like where the rule book is at its most as simplistic as it could possibly be to teach you the game. There's always going to be errors. There's always going to be problems. Sure. But I don't want to be like. Uh, there's a game on here. Where, and I'll mention it later, that you have to go on Board Game Geek because there were so many errors on it that you needed to get the second yeah. copy downloaded. Yeah, yeah, you had to get a whole new rulebook. It, it's frustrating. With that being said, the worst rulebook is Nyarlathotep. I've never heard that. Now, and, and as somebody who does game design, I honestly consider putting one of my rulebooks in this list for worst rulebook. Because it is incredibly difficult to write a good, logical, mm -hmm. cohesive rulebook. And I 100% agree with it 3 Because it is so hard to do that. It, it's really hard. It's not enough. Like the, but there will be reasons why these are the worst. So, my, for me, and I have it written down, why my four worst are here for what it, they're here for. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it is that they don't really cover everything that this game is supposed to have. No, it's three. Please be difficult, because we're not. We're going to be throwing shade. <laughs> oh on these no! Games. Yeah, no. All right. By that being said, let's start off with our number four worst rule book that we have. That'll be me starting off. My number four. Um, it. Both of these rule books, they're not that bad, but they both do something that I very much dislike in rule books, and that is use a term, uh, like that somehow in gaming that they expect you. To understand the term 
and just under like figure out what it is. And there's two examples of this. They, they're tied. Um, one of them is Innovation, mm-hmm. which is an amazing game. But who in the world knows what Splay is prior to that game? I mean, it's spreading out cards in a way where you see either the sides or tops. Um, I don't... It, it three. I'm not going to throw shade at level 99 games. Not because... Not because you're my friend, but because you guys write good rule books. Yeah, so no, uh, like I'm the, not worried about that. I only own really one of your games. In Bullet, it was easy to learn and teach. Yeah, yeah you guys have good rule books. But, um, yeah, Splay. Yeah, it, so, Corrupt, here's the thing. I've been a magician for many years. I never heard the term Splay. I understand what it means, but that rule book for innovation... Just said it like you're expected to know it. And the other game that does this is the worst game ever, which, by the way, is a pretty darn fun game. I liked it. But it taught you the term, the kitty, which is the pot, like, what you're anteing into. Wow, okay. And, it, and again, it doesn't, it doesn't clarify what that term is. So when they're teaching you this game, such a significant part of it is based off of that term that they just expect you to know. Yep. It's like... It's like going into a trick-taking game and me teaching you how to play it by just going, oh, it's like every other trick-taking game. There's a trump suit. And you're like, I've never played a trick-taking game. What do you mean? Why do we have presidents in this? Right? It's not, <laughs> that's not a term that's not used outside of that game. And that's the problem I have with it. So innovation and uh, the worst game ever both do that. I do not like that. All right, so my number four... Spread the cards is the common term now. Yeah, so my number four here, uh, the reason why it's on my list is because I actually came up with a different game. Because, again, this was very difficult. Mm-hmm. We were researching. I remember did struggling with the original game, so this is considered my honorable mention. And this was Mysterium. The The rule book was a little rough to read when you first learned how to play Mysterium. Uh, luckily, the, I think it was yeah. like a Watch It Play or something like that yeah. really taught the game. But then I remembered something. I don't know why it popped in my head, but I'm like, oh, that is right. Because someone mentioned something about iconography that's not in the rule book, but it's there, and you're expected to know it. And it reminded me of an LCG-style game. I think it was AEG called Doomtown Reloaded. Yeah. I was really looking forward to playing this game. I I love Western themes. I was looking so intrigued to play this game. Finally got it played. I got halfway through with a buddy of ours, Gamehead Geek, and both of us were just lost because it doesn't explain anything thoroughly. It's not clear on a lot of the iconography. It was just bad. It it was so unbearable to play this game after that one buy. It was actually one of the first games I sold in our Bookman's Runs. Yeah. Because it just, it was a struggle. And I wanted to love this game so much because I love Western themes. Western Legends is one of my favorite games of all time. This put a bad uh, taste in my mouth for Western games for a while. And then when I finally saw Western Legends come out, I was quite happy. But yeah, Doomtown Reloaded, it was just, it was atrocious. It was, and it was not the worst one I've read so far. It's my number four. But that it was so bad, especially when I was just getting into gaming too. First time I was really teaching a game, and this thing didn't teach you iconography. It didn't explain how like the different factions work. It didn't even give you an idea which factions you should start with, really, for like the easier gameplay. Yeah, it was bad. All right, number three. Uh, no, our number four best. Oh, we're gonna go that way. Yeah. Okay. Our number four best. So our number, my number four best 
um, is a game that we played also on that same game night. This is the last one I hadn't talked about yet. And that's because this is what gave me the idea for the best rule book is Seventh Continent. Um, this is a pretty dense rule book. There's it a is. lot of iconography in it. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot to consider. And it is a little daunting. I brought it to work as a chance to try and read it in between, you know, breaks and whatever, as I got a chance. This was easily one of the most clear, concise, just genuinely good rule books I've read in a long time. And now, it's a generously good game yeah, too. I have the I don't know what it's called, like the like the essential edition or whatever. It's basically the, the, small, the board game store version. Yeah, the board game store version, not the not the not the big the fancy one. Yeah, but it it was just. It was a good, easy read to something that I didn't know anything about going into. And normally I try to watch a video beforehand mm -hmm. uh, or watch like a tutorial. And I just decided, well, let's just try to read the rule book. And I actually kept reading it because I'm like, oh, okay, all right. You know, and, it's, and they have plenty of examples. They have plenty of uh, pictures that describe it. They have um, iconography charts. They have some lore if you want it in there, you mm -hmm. know. And it just has like the whole systems and I just felt that it was a really cohesive good rule book I didn't have many questions after we played it um in fact I I don't know I'm not normally that confident going into like a bigger game like this like, yeah and especially with you guys where I'm like I know that if I teach this wrong it's gonna be <laughs> the end of me and the game but like I went into it like I was like no look this is exactly how this works Let, let's go and I taught you guys like it was smooth yeah and I, I was like, okay, I've never taught this before, but look, this is the ultimate goal. We don't know what we're aiming for. It's going to be vague on this, but this is what you're looking for, and this is what we think we can do. Yeah. And this is some of the stuff we may encounter. With that being said, let's go for it. And you guys all just like, well, let's start doing this. Let's do this. Yes, and it worked really well. Yeah. It was a really good game. I really did enjoy it. Um, it's fun. It's really, really fun. <sighs> I, I do have one problem with it, and I think part of it is because it was late at night, and sure. two... There was a part where we're trying to find something, and I don't mm. want to give spoilers, but we were looking for something, and at, at that point, was like we were kind of trapped. Uh, me and Gamehead Geek were trapped in one area, and it's like, you guys sure. just take all the turns you need, and we're just going to sit here and twiddle our thumbs. Right. But again, it, also because we were all getting tired. It was the third game of the night. Well, one of the things I like about that, though, and yet, and I think it was less painful to you guys, is that unlike most games everyone's not required to take actions yeah no you literally just go okay you can take as many actions as you want mm -hmm. like it's your checks only affect the party as a whole mm -hmm. but they're not like like in time stories for example that's a similar theme game yeah where, like, similar yeah. Sim similar-esque that you're trying to determine the answer and then find a way to solve it yeah is that everyone has to do their action every turn and that's way more painful it's like Oh well, I guess I'll just move over here and read this card again. Yeah. You know, like this. No, it's like no. You can just keep taking actions, and it's not going to penalize us. Yeah, I like that system. And, and it moves quickly too. So. And and the rules were very clear about that too. It's like you take that whoever wants to take the action, whatever makes sense. And or, we all and play very also, generously. Also, like, like just like that too is like, hey, you want to come with me to take this action? Because what happens is like the cards that you check. Yep someone can take one of those cards and like okay i already have the blue but if you come right. help me hey there's a blue card that i can throw to you yeah exactly i i think it's awesome and yeah, the rule book really cool. definitely it brought me it took a little while to read just because it's a bigger rule book but it's not it helped me get the game faster to the table 
was very. I don't think we had to look at the rule book, did we? No, we didn't really reference. It. I think we referenced one thing. Yeah, there was one question I had, and yeah. then I was able to find it pretty easily. Yeah. So good on you, Seventh Continent, the company that makes that. I don't remember, but yeah. Awakened Realms, awesome. I believe. No. No, it's not Awakened Realms. It's um, it's a different company. Okay. Anyways, my number four best uh, is actually a big company. Uh, I have a, a lot of their games. It's one of my favorite companies, Stonemaier. And the one I went with this one was Tapestry. Oh, okay. Because as big and grandiose, and don't get me wrong, I know there's a bunch of erratas for the civilizations and stuff like that, but right. it's just how to fix the civilizations and make them more balanced. Mm -hmm. But the actual rulebook itself, it's four pages for this heavily dense game. That's all it is. It's four pages. Front, back, two pages each. Right. Uh, but it was such a quick learn, really easy to learn, and what I liked about it most, easily referenced. Yeah. So, like, if there's something that you need to look up, it's right there. Uh, it was really quick. Uh, the Atoma rules, I think, have more rules than the actual base game. Yep. But, and again, another thing about great about this rulebook is that it was four pages. It was really easy to learn. But it made it so easy to teach this game, too. Because sometimes the Stonewire games are not the easiest. Wingspan is a lot harder than, say, Tapestry to teach. Because you have to do this and this and use this to buy this. Where Tapestry is like, you move over here, you pay your resources, you're good. Right. Uh, it was really quick. And I think out of all the games I've owned of Stonemaier, which is all of them, this is probably one of it. This is easier than it's roll and write. Yeah. yeah much easier than it's roll and write. Because not only do you got to learn the rules of the roll and write itself, each card has their own rules for scoring. So yeah. Tapestry, probably their simplest rule book out of everything I own. And I looked at it like three or four times when I was coming up with this list, and I'm like, yeah, no, Tapestry is my on this list. And Illumina says, seriously, Pulpy. A yeah. serious Pulp. Um, I do want to do some honorable mentions as far as the good, best rule books, though. Okay. Because I didn't get into that. I didn't realize we were going to bounce back and forth. That's fine. Uh, two quick honorable mentions. One, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Okay. That is a great rule book. Because not only is it cohesive, but one my favorite part about what it does is it will have specific portions of it where it says if you're familiar with pandemic this is what you do differently mm -hmm. that saves you so much, much time, time yeah because i'm very familiar with pandemic prior going into that that was a great solution that i got to give them credit for that where it's due and then the other one um and this is not so much a rule book but the whole point of the rule book is to learn the game and when i have a demo that gets me to the game quicker especially a big heavier game um, and, and it's that impressive. I normally don't do shout outs to people who taught me board games, but, um, Connor, Connor something, Connor, the owner of, um, Earth. Inside Up Games Earth. taught, taught me and our mutual friend and a group of three other players how to play Earth. And that was the most concise, impressive, uh, demo I've ever been a part of. It, it gen, out of eight years of me doing demos, that was better than anything I've ever taught. And I felt pretty confident in how I teach. And that was just so concise. He broke it down into the best detail. And it was really awesome. I just had to shout that out because that was really impressive. If you ever get to learn a game from him, enjoy because it's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. With that being said, let's go into our number three worst board game rule books. Starting with you still. Starting with me again. Um... This game, it's a very unknown game. It is a uh, two-player Mahjong-themed game. It's from Z-Man Games. It's an older. They had like some small box lines. 
And this is called like Tien ZQ or something like that. Tien ZK. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and at the time, again, I normally try to find rule book or uh, video tutorials how to play it. Yeah. Well, there was only one other YouTube channel that covered anything about this game. And that was Bowers Game Corner, which I, I'm a fan of his stuff. I, I like his stuff quite a bit. Okay. And Because he's brutally honest about stuff. And he it said in his review... My God, this rule book is awful. <laughs> and I I watched his video after reading the rule book and going, huh? And it is one of the least comprehensive because it one of the big things about this is that you score in like five different like ways, and each one of those ways has about like like two or three different scoring possibilities in it. Like okay. you're you might be trying to get runs of certain colors. You might be trying to get different colored dragons or different named dragons. You might be trying to get um, sets of collections that score in certain ways. Or if you get a single card of one type, you can score points in different ways. And the rulebook did say how to do that, but in a seemingly random order on how everything scores. And then on top of that, it it was just so bizarre because... It didn't tell you that you can score multiple cards in multiple ways, but then when you score them, you're when you score them, you set them down and then you keep only certain cards from the score. And then of those scored cards, you score another time once you've done enough scoring to score the next pile. Like it's so and it's just like, it's a pamphlet like that long and it. You unfold the paper and it's so ridiculous. I still don't know how to play this game. It's one of the few, yeah, it, it's one of the few games where I, where I read the rules and I saw the review and the, and the guy, he explained it very thoroughly. I feel confident I can play it because of how he explained it. Mm -hmm. I don't think if Bowers Game Corner didn't do that, I would not have been able to figure it out. And it's not like they're supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be a simple game. But man, do those rules suck. So, yeah. I can see why that, that's never been reprinted or anything like that. Before we go on to my number three worst, uh, quick congratulations to our friends over at Level 99, Ithri. Uh, you guys did fund, it looks like, ah. pretty well. And you still have 20 days to go. So, congratulations. Good deal. So, if you guys like anything about Guilty Gear or this style of game, I, I know the system well. It's very it's a very cool system. Go check it out. Seriously. Alright, so my number three worst rulebook uh, is a game I really did enjoy for the longest time. I've actually played through everything in this uh, series. Uh, I think there's two expansions, maybe, uh, to this actual game itself. Uh, and it's a plat hat game. Uh, it's one of my favorites, Mice and Mystics. This okay. rule book, though, oof, it's a chore. Luckily enough, I was taught how to play this game, and then I learned the rule book. Uh, yeah, upon going back into it, right? Yeah, but so it is, it just, it doesn't address all the possibilities that could happen in this game. You look and look and be like, okay, this happened, what do we do? Doesn't tell you, and never explained it. Or you're going into a certain scenario, and you'd be like, okay, we did all this stuff, but what happens now? It doesn't right. explain that. Uh, it is... A struggle sometimes it like like i said in my notes here it teaches the game okay it doesn't teach yeah. it great but the fact that it doesn't 
you know, give you not even just an errata, but like FAQs or uh, just possibilities that could happen, the nuances of the game. There's no way to reference certain things. It just, it's just a struggle. Yep. And uh, teaching this to other people, and then something happens, and be like, I don't know. Um, and this is like newer into the gaming. So I was like, we'll just allow it uh, that we succeeded or something. Because now playing enough games, I know if it's like, hey, if it's uh, good for you or bad for you, take the bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> this one doesn't really explain that. Uh, like, uh, what's another one? Vagrant Song. Um, it explains that if the worst possible scenario for the players, that's what's going to happen. This one doesn't explain, like, all right, make it easier for yourself yeah, or right. make it harder for yourself or figure it out yourself pretty much. Mice and Mystics, fun game. The rule book is not all that great. The It doesn't address all the possibilities, which it's hard, especially when it's a dice-chucking game. But it doesn't, like, the, some of these things from what I was researching online, too, are common occurrences, and there's nothing out there to explain how this or that works. Right. All right. Number three best. Number three best. All right. Going to our best list. Oh, number look, I get to start. That's final. <laughs> all right, so my number three best, I pick... A specific game because this is the one I play the most is the one I teach the most but this line of games they do a great job of teaching these games uh, for me the one I picked was just one but most okay. of the repos like so clover mm -hmm. fun facts I don't know about the newest one but uh, repos themselves put out some really decent rule books and how these games are supposed to play right I picked just one because again it's the one I teach all the time. It's the one I've learned. I learned by the rule book. You kind of explained it to me, but I learned it through the rule book. Yeah. And it's real simple. It tells you quickly. It gives you pretty good examples into it. It's another one of those that is just kind of like four or five pages. It's not a lot. I think Repose does a phenomenal job. Just one was the start of it. Fun facts. Another one that's really simple, really easy to teach. You look through the rule book. Okay, I know how to play this game. Uh, another one, um, so Clover, which is kind of the heavier of the three I just mentioned. Right. Easy. Another one that just teaches you pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but I again, I went with just one because it's it's real simple. You can basically teach the game by going. You look at a card, you pick a number, and then everybody has to give a clue based on that card, but they cannot match, or you don't get clues to the person who's guessing. Right. But the way that rule book is written, it's very easy. Like, I read it, took like two minutes to read it, and I'm like, I know how to teach this game now. Yep, exactly. Because I, I teach it the same way it, it reads, right? Yep. Uh, my number three best rule book is also a party game. Um, and now, I want to be clear, like, even though you, I instinctively wanted to go for, well, what's like the more difficult games that I learned how to play, mm -hmm. and how did the rule book help me that? You know, a party game can actually really justify it. Yeah. And uh, the one I picked was the Green Team Wins. And the way this the the game works is that um, you you're gonna get points by you know by entering the Green Team, which means that if you're the, in the majority of the answers, like and a lot of the answers are very subjective on purpose. If you're in the majority of the answers, then you become part of the Green Team and you get uh, points for getting on. And then every subsequent team or every subsequent turn that you stay on that team. You're gonna get points as well. Mm -hmm. Now, what makes this, what makes the rulebook so good about it is like right at the end, it the rulebook and the game is very much like akin to just trying to be humorous, and sometimes that can be a detriment to the game. No, this says, look, 
as you can see, there's like only like really like two rules, and most of those are just making stuff up. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. the, the idea is simple: if you're not on the green team, get on the green team. If you're on the green team, stay on the green team. That's your goal. And it like basically summarized it in a very humorous way at the end of the rule book that I thought was just really refreshing, really cool. I liked how it did it. Uh, green team wins is my third favorite rule book. Nice. I do have to play that one. It looks really cool. It is fun. Yeah, the rule book really lent itself to it. Like I remember exactly how to play it now, and it's nice and fluid, just because of that quip, you know, that they put on it. It's funny. I'm looking at my number two here for uh -huh. first. You're gonna agree with me on this one. Oh, I, I don't think you've even will. read the book. Probably not. But I'll be starting this off. Number two worst rule book is it? It's a game from Mayfair Games from back in the day, <laughs> and um, and that's not safe. I don't remember if I played it with you or if I no. I played it with my other game group, and this is a game called Nuns on the Run. You played it with the other game group. Yeah. What's funny? This has. As you're mentioning it, I was when I was looking like the research and stuff like that. This was almost a lot of people's number ones. This, this there is a hundred percent a reason for that, and that's because this is one of the most nonsensical rule books. There is more than a half of a page dedicated to just line of sight issues. Now, granted, that's part of the problem with the game, but when it's one person versus everybody else. Um, or really, it's 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 just asymmetric. It's one person, and everyone else is against that one person. But you're all against each other. It's whoever fulfills their goal separately. Uh, there was no ex very few examples in the rule book. Most of the movement examples were strewn in amongst like the rooms that you go to and how line of sight works. The function of like when you do stuff, when stuff is triggered, on top of the super random like. How do you move? Do you walk at every step of the movement? You have to figure out if there is like line of sight issues or if if uh, somebody hears you. If you only play certain kind of movement cards, they can hear you, and then the the nuns will go towards you know your character. It's so convoluted, and on top of that, Mayfair made a game or made a um, made a video, a tutorial video on mm -hmm. how to play it, and it was like this weird little glove disembodied glove figure that and like the cheesiest damn narrator and they were teaching it and they kept throwing in like 1980s style like lame jokes it's like like so where the glove like, would pull out like a bread roll it's like no it's not nuns on a bun <laughs> and it was so obnoxious that when when you get that frustrated with a rule book and you're like you know what i'm just gonna find a tutorial and you watch the published tutorial from the publisher and you're like you know what the rule book is worth bearing through at that point no i think this would have been a good game i think this would have been much more fun if it was streamlined and had a decent rule book but when like when they're making jokes like oh nuns with guns <laughs> and like you can hear the deafening silence that a glove can't laugh not that it would have anyway that's sure. my number that's my number two worst rule book Sorry, I'm just, uh, my mother-in-law's messaging me right now, so. Tell her we're, we're doing something important. <laughs> she can wait. No. no. Sorry, that's, that's rude. All right, so my number two worst uh, goes along with what you were saying about Nuns on the Run, where mm -hmm. it uh, doesn't explain everything it needs to right. do. There is parts of this game where you're like, okay, how does this work again? Uh, and this one is Great Western Trail. Hmm. Uh, okay. I do have a new version of it, so I want to see how that rule book is 
compared yeah, you're to... You're talking specifically first edition. Yeah, I'm specifically saying the Stronghold version, the first edition of it. Uh, there is some really The one big... with the wax figures on the cover, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some really, really big problems with this rule books because... And I remember when we were playing it, and it's like, okay, what happens if you do this? And so I go to the section that talks about it, but in fact, it's not in the section where it should be. It's like three pages later yep. when it actually gives you an example to the question that he's asking me. Mm -hmm. There's little nuances that are very important to the game where it doesn't explain it very well when it's basically you're upgrading the things mm -hmm. where you can use the deduction from something that you already have to go to the bigger style of buildings out there. It doesn't explain that very well, yep. which is a very big important part of the game uh, because that's how you're going to get your points and stuff like that. Oh my god, this was a struggle. I liked the game for what it was doing, but it's it's not streamlined. It's not efficient. I hope no. they fixed a lot of the stuff in the newest edition with the way the rule book reads and gives you better examples. The art's already better. I know that much when I was putting it well, on. That's a <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just it was a struggle because there's like key components of this game that they don't explain. And you were talking about it with Lancelot where it's like, hey, the big part of the game they put it at the back end of the game where like there's important sections like when you're like that i was mentioning like when you're building the buildings uh it explains how you build the buildings but then it's like four pages later how it explains how you right. upgrade the buildings it's like well why don't you put it with the building here's the buildings yep. here's the upgrades put them together this way it's easier to understand and read yep. but yeah this it, it was all over the place with this rule books and the the fact of the matter is I know they could do rule books because there's a game from Stronghold that has a good rule book that's next in my best section. Ooh. But this one was so bad. It 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 almost killed this love for this game for me. I really liked what this game was doing. When you said, hey, I found this copy, I'm like, hey, can I have that? And you're like, can we trade this way? I can do a trade fund? I'm like, yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> you're done right, we can. But Great Western Trail, the rule book was just, mm-mm. Yeah, mm -mm. just unpleasant. Just unpleasant. a big no. Yep. All right, and now we're going on to our number two best, best rule books. Here we go. I'll start us off. All right, uh, the, my number two best rule book is one that you and I reference from time to time again, and we've brought this up many times on the podcast. But it's it does something so simple that makes it so effective. It takes a cohesive rule book and adds a, enough humor into it. To where you're going to learn how the game works, how it functions, and you're going to enjoy yourself while reading it. Dungeon Pets. Oh, God. I love that one. That rule book's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the few rule that... books where I encourage people. It's like, well, you're going to play the game or not. You should read the rule book. I, I, it's I, hilarious. I like the fact. I knew this is going to be on your list because it always makes us giggle every time we, no. we bring it out. So I'm like. I don't have to talk about it. First off, I didn't read the rule book. You just read it to me in a yeah. sense. It's like, oh, dude, you got to check out this line. Yeah. Yeah. But I just showed you parts of it because it's just so it's, darn funny. It's hilarious. And the thing is, like, what the, my big thing is, like, oh, yeah, you, you take this thing and you get meat. And so I, I, I don't know what happens to the animal where you just get meat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like, like, don't mind the fact that, you know, more meat is added into, you know, the, the meat plant. <laughs> and it's so, it's so simple because, like, when, when one of your uh, uh, dungeon pets um, need to be, you know, sent to the farm, um, as you will, it says, oh, and don't mind the fact that there's more meat. And then it tells you to add meat tokens to the, <laughs> to the place where you get meat. That's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 
it, it's a heady game. There's a lot going on. But I'm going to remember parts of that game very distinctly just because of how simple that rulebook was and how effective that humor that they added into it really made the game stand out. Yeah, and no, I, I really did enjoy the game itself, but just parts of that rule book. And I again, I yeah. only read parts of that rule book, but it just made me giggle every time you're like, <laughs> and this works cool. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, well, you have to clean, like send the goblins to go clean up poop and stuff. <laughs> and like, and then like all the little subtleties on the board that really just adds to the flavor. It's so cool. I mean, I don't even own the game anymore, but I have nothing but fond memories about that. Yeah. About the rule book, the game itself. The, the only problem with the game play it is just, it's so heady, it's just not going to get played. Right. In, it, it might get played in our game group, but it wouldn't yeah. be played in the other ones. So. Yeah, exactly. But, but my, Dungeon Pets. My number two, I mentioned it with Great Western Trail. This is a stronghold game mm -hmm. that does a rule book really good, and this is Terraforming Mars. Okay. No, and I even I put it here. I the rule book for it. Uh, for a big game, mm -hmm. and a very heavy game, and it's a large rule book, it's not a small one. But it's really thorough, so I understand how this works and how yeah. that works or how this section works. I have to only reference reference it a few times when I first taught the game. Um, but even then, now I'm, and I don't play it all that much, but I play it a lot. I'm thorough enough to the fact that I could teach this game without referencing the rulebook, but that's how good the rulebook taught me the game. Right. Um, it has a lot to learn, but has a good explanations and good, um, ways to teach you this game in a sense, because it's like, okay, you do this and this, here's an example how this works. Oh, okay. I see mm -hmm. how that works. Yeah. For the fact that they could have done this for Great Western Trail. Terraforming Mars came out before Great Western Trail. It's like, uh, how do you not do the same thing? Cause it's, uh, and I think a big part of it too, is cause it's coming from Firaxis as well. Yeah. Or Firxus or whatever the the Frixelius. Frixelius, something like that. Yeah, Frixelius games, I think is it Firaxis is uh civilization. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's very thorough. It's very easy to read too. And that's a big thing. It's like sometimes these rule books are very heavy. Very, very heavy. This one's easy to read, it gives you good explanations, teaches you how to set up everything. Like the new the new um Expansions and stuff like that. What I really wish they would give us in the expansions is just give us like an enhance, like a book with all the expansion stuff in it, because I I like that with Great Western Trails. But this game does a heck of a job. So number two, Terraforming Mars. Very cool. And number one, worst rule books. Starting with me, it's good. That hurt because you already know what my number one is. I've talked about this at na at nauseum. I hate this rule book to the point and i referenced it before it was so bad they had to put up a second edition rule book mm -hmm. on board game geek uh when everybody was getting their board games mm -hmm. and this one is batman. this was the only one you said hands down, down this is on, down the, on the list is batman yep. gotham city chronicles yep. this rule book was and it's funny because i wasn't originally reading this book our mutual friend, uh, Gamehead Geek, was trying to teach this game, and it was so bad. He's like, hey, can you just check this out? Because he has some uh, learning disability issues that he's talked about. But it even when I was reading it, I'm like, what the heck does this mention? We go to reference something, and it's not even in the rulebook at all. We had to go onto Board Game Geek and download the new rulebook and the uh, game reference points to figure mm -hmm. out what certain things needed to be done. Because it has a symbol on the board, you're like, what does that do? 
and it doesn't explain it at all. It was so, so bad. It doesn't explain anything well. It doesn't explain how the game plays. I think the best thing it explains is the river system that this game runs. That's it. And that's, again, that's important because that's one of the main things that this game has to do is that river system. But, yeah, to the point that you had to go to Board Game Geek to read the errata, they, they sent this game out with such a bad rulebook, they immediately had to come up with new files, new ways to do it, and put it on Board Game Geek as people are getting their games. Mm -hmm. Because the people who first received their games were complaining about it and saying it's bad. And so it was just... Mm, it drove me insane because it's it's bad enough you give a bad rule book and there's people who struggle with disabilities and stuff like right. that that other people who don't strength uh struggle with reading didn't understand anything it was trying right. to say it was a jumbled mess it didn't explain yeah, symbols a day one patch if you will it, and yeah. It, yeah and it was it was bad oh my god and in fact when you came up with this like i already know what my number one is yeah there's not even a choice on there to that point, after that play, I have not played this game again, nor do I want to, and I love Batman. Yeah. Batman is like one of my favorite comic book heroes, one of my favorite superheroes of everything. Uh, I used to collect all the Batman comics, and now I'm just, th that game itself, when they were like, oh, we're going to come up with the second edition, I was like, no. Mm -mm. No, you're not. Not my nah, money. Nah, yeah, you ain't getting my money for it. No, you guys are, you, <laughs> you pissed the bucket, let me tell you. <laughs> Alright, my number one worst rule book um, is legendary in my household because of just the rule book led to a whole series of events that uh, I will just have to explain in detail. Now, most games that we talk about on this podcast are designer games. They're mm -hmm. modern, be, you know, they're like what makes a rule book extra bad is when people are excited to play it like Batman. You know, that that hurts when somebody's like, I'm really excited about Batman. It's not just like some like Monopoly ripoff. And like, the thing about that too is that that game was three hundred and something dollars. Yes. Yeah, it's it and that's frustrating. Now my number one worst rule book is not one of those. It's not a designer game. Um they didn't put the designer I mean I know who designed it, technically. I know the group of people that designed it. And um this game it, it's called Tombstone, <laughs> and this is this was made by the Tombstone City Chamber of Merchants, uh, based off of the city. And the reason this game is so bad, or this rulebook is so bad, is because it is a roll and move, and all you have to do is go from one corner of the board around a monopoly looking esque board, and just move your piece to the other side. Now the game is really bad. Okay, like, I mean, it's it's phenomenally bad. And one of the big, awful rules in it is that if your piece lands on a piece, on a space with another piece in it, they go back to the start, no matter how far along they are. The rule book, which was only a single sheet of paper, left so much ambiguity into that phrase that we had to try and assume what they were meaning by it. And what I mean by this is that there are so many different spots where you lose turns, where you uh, move around the board a number of spaces. There is a couple spots where if you land on it, you will bounce two or three spots. Now, we don't know if you're supposed to stop after the first movement 
after the second movement or if you just keep ping-ponging until you just stop moving and you land on a space where you just essentially lose a turn. The problem with that is when you have such theoretically simple rules that cause that big ambiguity, that's a significant problem. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up doing, there would be situations where I would be three-fourths around the board, jump back six spaces, jump forward three more, jump back another dozen, land on someone's space, they go back to start, and somehow I lose a turn in the process. Because of this rule book, we created a whole YouTube series called Bottom Shelf, which you can still find on YouTube. We did that, and you can actually watch us play it. And we got to the point where it was so obnoxious that we made a whole worst of the worst board game series because of this game. And it was because of that rule book and the vagueness of it that caused this ridiculous shenanigans. So if you want to see us rage on a game like this, <laughs> this is the best example we've ever found. Tombstone. All right, let's go to our number one best. Number one best. Um, well, Daniel, I flipped the coin. I'm not going to flip the coin. I'll tell you why. I peeked over at your page a little bit because I'm like, I'm willing to bet I know what your number one is. Okay. And that's because it's also my number one. Really? Yes, 100%. It is the best rule book. It is oh, so good. It's so good. Yeah, just tell them what it is. It's, I couldn't agree more. It's Gloomhaven Jaws of the Wire. Yeah. Uh, again, this is the number one that popped in my mind right, right away about yeah. the good, mm-hmm. the best about it because it teaches you the game in pieces. Uh, the uh, first through five scenarios, basically, it teaches you how this works, how this system part of it works, what yep. this does, and it gets you going. And then the fifth scenario, uh, part of that scenario, is it teaches you how boss fights work. So it teaches you every single part of the game as you're playing said yes. game. The rule book creates a tutorial system, non-app driven, Yeah, and it goes through stages of teaching you how the game works using interactive play mm-hmm. in an actually pretty fun way to do it. Like, yeah. you're probably you not really going to lose, it. Yeah. but you're having fun doing it. Like, that's... it. Like, it, it's, it's as close to a video game tutorial as you can imagine because it's like, we want you to play the game quicker, so play the game and you'll learn how it I, works we'll, as we we'll introduce teach you a few as you play. Yeah, so... Like in the first, good. the first scenario basically just teaches you combat, how to use your cards. In fact, it even gives you cards that you only use for this combat. Yes. And then when you go to uh, set two, it keeps you those cards in your hand. You add a little bit more cards in your yep. hand. It teaches you a whole new system. And then when you go into the third stage, it takes those training wheels off of the the cards and it has you build or use the the set cards that they come with the the game itself. And once you get that done, it teaches you, okay, this is how you level up. Okay, it teaches you that system. And also, during that time, the first one is basically the basic combat. You're using this to attack, you're using this to move, that's it. And the second scenario is teaching you the magic system of this game, which does really, really well. And the third scenario is teaching you how to upgrade and all this and that. And like I said, it teaches you all the way up to a boss fight, because Gloomhaven is a dungeon crawl game. Mm -hmm. As you're going through a set of scenarios, it's a bunch of campaigns that you're going to end up fighting bosses throughout the game. This one teaches you in the first five scenarios how the entire game is going to play. Once you're done with that, you know how to play this game, and you you can go back to for like certain references and stuff like that, but it's not something that's going to be 
difficult for you to go, okay, oh, this is the scenario that uh, mentioned in, like, the second scenario. Okay, I get how this is going to work. Right. I know how this magic system works as you're playing the game. It's it's phenomenal. I think this is by far how more board games, especially big ones that are campaign style, should teach new players how to play their games. Yes. And not only to that point, I want to give it credit because... Uh, so I demo games at our local shop, and I mm-hmm. teach people how to play. And I brought Jaws of Lion a, a number of times. And part of my job is to give them the full experience as best as I can. Mm-hmm. So that way they know what they're getting into when they buy it. This is one of the few examples that the tutorial system will do better than me teaching. Because yes. if I just teach them the first game, uh, I, I taught a group how to play just the first set of scenario, like the same way that the rule book would have, and they thought that that was just it. They thought it was just going to be bland. I'm like, no, trust me, there's more to it than this. This is just the basic functions. And it was almost a detriment, like, teaching it that way. Yeah. It would have been better for me to just go, here's the rule book. There's a number of stages into this, but read the first scenario and it'll explain everything. It probably would have done a better job than just me actually breaking down the specifics of yeah. it and teaching them how to play and giving them that false expectation. It works really well. And I I can't agree more. Like that was one of the first ones that popped in my head. And I was like, I know you're gonna have it. And that's why I picked over. I was like, Yep, okay. I wanted to make sure because I knew we were gonna have this crossover. Yeah, because honestly, and we've talked about it a lot on on this podcast and stuff like that. When this came out, we were like, This is the best way to teach these yep. really big games. Not just big games. Other games should kind. Of, yeah. Uh, yes, it is hand holding. Yes, it is a tutorial. It's the first five scenarios yep. out of a book that's basically 25 scenarios. Yeah. It's However, one fifth of the game is teaching you how there, the system works. I will never have to reference it I again. I went from original Gloomhaven to this one. I taught you original Gloomhaven, yes. which I didn't teach it bad, but this taught it way better than I ever oh, could. Oh, much better than you ever could. No, <laughs> For the simple fact that there's so many moving right. parts in Gloomhaven. Again, you got to deal with the magic system. You got to yep. deal how like you got to play the top card, the bottom card, how that your cards are your life points as well, mm-hmm. and it teaches you how to do a short rest and a long rest. Short rest, your cards are taken away random. Long rest, you get to determine how to take your cards away. Okay, I don't need this one anymore. I'm going to get it out of yep. out of here, and it it, it teaches you thoroughly uh the first five scenarios teaches you everything possible that this game could throw at you yep. so that when you do start the game you have a point where you can reference to mm-hmm. but you really won't need that reference because it it beats it into your brain like this is how it works this is what you're doing this is how it's going to go cool that was a tough one but yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean if you want to learn a game any of those first four it's worth reading the rule books um, as far as the best games go. Yeah. And they just actively avoid the other ones. They, yeah. they were pretty rough. Yeah. But um, with that being said, if you ever want to join us on one of our live chats, like all of our friends here, um, I normally shout out all the names, but let me see if, if I can remember them all. Illuminous, Creative Chaos, Corrupt, um, Ithri. Ithri. I There might have been more, but thank you all for joining in on the chat and voicing your opinions in, in this as well. If you ever want to join us on on uh, a live stream of our episodes. Join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, which now you can even subscribe and give us money. <laughs> Just saying. You don't have to. You can still enjoy the free content. We're going to do this for free for a long time, I feel. But if you want to throw money at us, like go for it, I guess. What, what right do I have to tell you now? Uh, and remember, <laughs> we're in a bit of a contest right now, so our email, 
Red Our, Skull in the Body. Yep, that's right. So, if you want to contact us directly, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And if you want to enter our, our contest that we're doing right now for a free copy of Marvel United, which we'll ship to you, uh, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. In the subject line, put contest. In the body, put some way we can contact you. And for this week's episode, put in the code word Red Skull. Also, we've decided we're going to open it up to UK, United States, and Canada. Yep. And uh, non-contiguous US, so Alaska yep. and Hawaii. As well, and then also you're going to find all video re-uploads on YouTube under youtube.com slash at Everyday Board Games Podcast. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe here if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. When you subscribe, you get an entry into the giveaway. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Google. Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, and, and now, now Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I thought you were going to go verbatim off of your script. And, and now, now finally Apple. on Apple Podcasts. That's right. Uh, in fact, you can also find us on TuneIn or Samsung. iHeartRadio. Like iHeartRadio. <laughs> Somehow. Anyway, everywhere you get your daily podcast. As always, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.